Evening, church. Tonight, I want to talk about relationships. Why? Because God's just been placing it in my heart ever since um, the beginning of the year to go talk about relationships. And, and I'm sure there's people in this room who, who longs for... The, the truth is, every one of us here longs to love and be loved. So wherever you are in your stages of life, if you're single or if you're married... Or if you're single and you want to be like a Pringle, it's like, no, no, nobody. Um, just, just listening, listen in because there, there is something for you um, tonight. And uh, let me mind you, it's, it's going to be very Christian standard of, of dating. Um, and, and why I felt God has placed this on my heart is because he wants me to help you guys navigate through this time of confusion and of chaos. We live in a heavily technological world, and, and I, I feel sorry for you younger generation. You have it so hard because I don't even know how you would know that if the girl or guy is into you or not. Is it through he sends you memes every single day? Or is it when, when he likes your TikTok videos? Like, like, how would you know? And it's not like us older guys here can cross our hands and say, oh, these millennials, like, we, we had it all good back in our days. It's not true. Because back then there was a thing called MSN, and, and that's all we had. And, and, and we go home after school and we hop on MSN and we we're typing away. And then our mum says, Dexter, I want to use the phone. And then we have to get off the internet. Because there's something called dial-up. And we're like, oh man, it's just getting good. She's opening up. I think she's into me. And then we have to, when we disconnect, we have to wait for this sound. Ralph, can you play it? I don't know if any of you remember this sound. And this sound goes on for like a minute and it feels like an eternity. And then when you go back on, she's offline. I'm like, oh... Okay, cool. And then I don't know if there's any of you here that remembers the Optus deal, the Optus prepaid deal, when you can call up that girl under your blanket and talk for 19 minutes, and then you hang up on the 19th minute, and then you recall again, because as long as you don't go past 20 minutes, the call's free. Guys, we had our own struggles. Each generation has their own struggles. And even when you do that 19-minute kind of thing, you can still end up like being in the friend zone. Maybe that's just me, but I don't know. I, I don't know. We, we, each generation has their struggles with this, with this love-boy-girl relationship, and, and everyone's just trying to navigate through it. And so, church, what I want to do today is to take you and look at an OG love story. That is found in Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me there. Or you can follow on the screen. It is the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. It has the most number of words and the most number of verses. And this is all dedicated on how a guy meets a girl. And what I want to show you today is God cares for your relationships. He cares for your relationships. And so before we dig into that, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time. As we look through 
one of the first love stories that is orchestrated by you. Help us understand this passage. Speak to us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 24 starts off with telling us that Abraham, he's old. He's well advanced in age. Commentator says he's around 137 to 140 years old. Okay, he's old. But it says he's been blessed. Everything is good. He's in a very good place. But there was only one thing left in his life that was bothering him. And this one thing was something very serious. And we find out in verse 2. He says, Abraham called his chief servant, the one who's in charge of everything that he had. He told that servant to place your hand under my thigh and swear under the name of the Lord of the heavens who created the heavens and earth. Now, before I talk about what Abraham made him swear, this, I want to point out to you, this is a serious oath. This is a serious task. And, and there's really three things that, that we see that how, why this is so serious, because Abraham, he calls the servant. He doesn't just call any servant. No, he calls the servant, the chief servant. He wants the best of the best, the best guy who's been with him the longest, showed loyalty, so capacity. He wants the best butler he has. And for, to help you, think of Alfred from Batman. He wants that guy. And then secondly, he makes this servant swear to God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Now, it already tips off this servant because you don't make someone swear by the name of God just to pay the light bills. You, you don't do that. And thirdly, Abraham says, place your hand under my thigh. Now, commentators say this means place your hand under my reproductive parts. That's what it means. And I can just imagine, okay. <laughs> like, what do you do? <laughs> this is a serious oath. And it's, yeah, that's church, guys. It's, it gets strange and it gets weird. This is not an oath that you take every day and not an oath that you want to take every day. It's very uncomfortable. But this is quite normal back then when it comes towards one's last will. Because we see this thigh situation again in Genesis chapter 29 when Jacob, who's changed his name to Israel, was getting really old and he was about to die. And he says, Joseph, place your hand on my thigh. Promise me that you'll never bury me here in Egypt. Let me be buried in the promised land. So what we can see out of this oath is this is pretty much Abraham's last will. This is the last thing he wants you to accomplish, my servant. It's the last thing. You serve me well, but there's just one last thing. Now, what was the task? He made him swear by the name of God. Well, hand under the thigh. And he says, and this is pretty much the task. Get my son a wife. Get him a girl. He's still single. I don't know why, but get him a girl. Swear to me that you will not let my son marry a daughter from the Canaanites among whom I live, but go back to my country and get him a wife there. No Canaanite woman. And we're thinking, oh, well, what's the deal? That's Abraham. Is Abraham a racist? That sounds pretty racist to me, but it's not about racism. It's about alliance. Because Abraham lived amongst people who were polytheists. 
monotheistic, which means they worship a whole bunch of other gods and they had a whole bunch of other evil practices that was not pleasing to God. And so as a result, these Canaanites people were very messed up. And he concludes that, okay, I don't want my son to marry any of these girls. He doesn't need to marry anyone here. Get him someone from back home. And sure, look, church, I know we are called to love everyone because the love of God extends to everyone. But who you want to have in your inner circle, you want to make sure that they have the same alliance with you. And especially a spouse, that you both are followers of Jesus. A preacher by the name of A.W. Tozer said, the most important thing about a person is what they think about God. The most important thing about a person is what they think about God. And it's true because who you think is running this whole show, this whole universe, who you think he is will determine the way you value things, what you view as important. And what you view as important, that determines your goals, your priorities, and what you pursue. And what you pursue determines the outcome of where you want to go. You with me with that? So you want to make sure that the person that you marry wants to go with the same direction with you. Why? Because marriage is binding in nature. I wish I had handcuffs, but I don't. Um, But it's like you are handcuffing yourself with the other person. And as you go through life's journey, and if one of you want to go that way, the direction of God, and and the other person want to go that way, something else that's not God what you'll see is something that's not going to be fun. Now, there was this uh, movie by the name of uh, Bulletproof, um, starring Adam Sandler and Damon Wayans. I can't even pronounce his name. Horrible movie. But, <laughs> but there was this scene where these two were stranded in a desert and they weren't getting along and Adam Sandler just wanted to pee and the other guy was getting impatient and just keeps dragging Adam Sandler and he didn't even get to finish pee. Horrible movie, but... (laughs) But I see this way too often in couples these days. Not the peeing part, (laughs) but the part where they say, hey, after we're married, we're going to just figure it out and they don't, and then they end up really struggling. And let me tell you, church, it's not fun dragging someone, and it's not fun being dragged. It's not fun. You don't want to always try to drag someone to church, and, and it's not fun to always be nagged at to come to church. It's, it's not fun. Don't ignore it now, or else you're going to have a strain in your relationship later on. So my first point to you, there's six points today in this dating advice sermon that I'm going to give you, my first point to you is you want to find someone with the same allegiance to you. Now, it's not all bad news because there are couples that do date non-Christians and they become the best godly couples. Um, It's like that other movie, um, a better one now, it's Gladiator. Have you seen that movie? gladiator maximus and he gets chained up with this other guy that he's just met and they're both wound in chains but instead of that bothering them they they were in the same accord and and they actually use this handcuff to close hang this other guy and then stab stab him and then they stab other people and and they were just a team they were just killing everyone they were killing it and we do have throughout the bible where people that were non-jewish 
gets to join the salvation story, the salvation lineage of Jesus. For example, Ruth, she was a Moabite, but she was invited in and she became one of the ancestors of, of Jesus. And there was this other lady who was, whose name is Rahab and she was a prostitute, but she also gets to join in and be in the lineage of, of Jesus. So there is hope for you guys. And I really do pray that, that you guys become that couple that just kills it. So my first point, you want someone to have the same allegiance as you. And just because they say they're Christian, that's not good enough. It's not good enough. The servant says... Uh, Mr. Abraham, what if she doesn't want to come back? Should I take your boy back to, to that place? And in, in response, Abraham kind of freaks out and is like, don't you dare. Beware, don't bring him back there. He stays here. Why? Why is Abraham freaking out? Don't bring my son back there. It's because, and then Abraham explains himself, it's because God who brought me out of this, out of my native land, he promised me the piece of land that I'm going to be on, it's going to belong to my offspring, and that is Isaac. In other words, the promised son has to stay on the promised land. And, and this is now Abraham just being obedient and living by faith. And Abraham, he's lived, he's lived long enough. He's old enough to know that. And he's witnessed firsthand every single time that he doesn't trust God, things get really messy. When he jumped the gun and had Ishmael, oh man, that was messy. But now him and his boy Isaac, they're living on the cutting edge of faith. They leaned out so far that if God's not there, they're going to fall flat on their face. And he says, you know what? If the girl doesn't want to come, that means that girl just doesn't want to live by faith and I'd rather him be single. Just don't bring him back there. So my second point to you is you want to make sure you live a life of faith and you want to find someone that has that same sort of faith. And I've talked to many Christians before and and I ask them, what do, you, do you trust God? And they say, yes. And then I say, what, what do you trust God with? And they say, I trust God that he saved me from my sins, that when I die that, and when I get buried, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to meet God face to face and we're going to have fun in eternity, something like that. But then I ask them, do you trust God with your money? And they're like, oh no, it's 2020, Dexter. We have a financial recession going on. Uh, inflation, I, I use money my own way. What about do you trust God with your love life? And they will say something like, oh, no, because the Bible and God, they, they're kind of outdated. We now have TV shows like The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Farmer <laughs> Wants a Wife, uh, You Think You Are the One, all those TV shows to show us what love is. No. So you're telling me you trust God with the your eternity, but you can't trust God with your, your tomorrow? You say you can trust God with your redemption, but you can't trust God with your romance? You trust God with your salvation, but you can't trust God that he's going to bring you a spouse? Church, time to start living in faith and trust in God. 
And Abraham continues the conversation and look at the trust that just burst out of him. He says, God will send an angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. And if this woman is unwilling to come, fine, cool, 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 cool. You're released from that oath. But just don't take my son back there. In other words, I would rather him be single than to settle. This should be also our stance. And I know some people do freak out. Oh, what if I die a virgin? What if this is the only person that gives me attention? Or, or how long do I have to wait? How long do I have to wait? Let me tell you, Isaac, at this current age, at his current stage, he's 40 years old. He's waiting four decades before he meets Rebecca. And maybe some of us are just fall into the pressure of just dating anyone because we're scared of being lonely. Loneliness is a scary thing. Um, an awesome preacher by the name of the pastor, Ben Stewart, who really inspired this sermon and a lot of this material is his. Um, from my research, he says, he says this, Loneliness of singleness is not assuaged by the loneliness of laying in a king-sized bed next to someone who cannot speak with you about the deepest issues of life. So in other words, you think that your loneliness during your singleness is bad now? You have no idea how bad it will be when you're married, when you're with a person that you can't share and do life with. That is a more lonely and devastating state to be in. It's better to be single than settle. And don't settle for any less than God's best for you. So Dexter, how do I know? How do I know if she's the one or he's the one? Let me get to that. So what happens is the servant, the Bible says he arose and he took with him 10 camels and he loaded the camels with goods and he went to the city of Nahor, which is about 500 miles away. Australian terms, 800 kilometers geographically. Now, this is going to be a long journey for this dude. And here's my third advice. If you want to be in a relationship, you've got to get to the right place. Because there are people that will say, oh, there's no guys here. Oh, there's no girls here. Well, move. <laughs> this guy, he traveled 500 miles like that song that goes, and I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more just to be the one that walked a thousand miles just to fall down at your door. See, church, if you're looking around your social circle and you don't feel compatible with anyone, Move. Get on your camel and ride, son. Get somewhere. Get around to a different group of people. If you're saying there's no fish here, maybe you're trying to fish in a swimming pool with chlorine in it. Of course no fish is going to survive there. Go to the right spot. Go to a river. Go to a lake. Go to the ocean. And if you are listening online to our podcast... And if you are kind of single and ready to mingle, come to Oikos Church. <laughs> because our people are going nowhere because this is the ocean. <laughs> Be willing 
to travel. Get out of your comfort zone. So this servant, it says he head to the city of Nahor, which wasn't the name of the city, but really the city where Abraham's brother lived. And it all made sense because if you want to find a relative of Abraham, you go to that relative's house. Nothing crazy. This is pure logic. If you want to look for someone's kids, you go to the parent's house. They're probably there. And this is for us spiritually. If you want to find a son of God, a daughter of God, a child of God, where do you look? At God's house. Go to church. Now, this true story, uh, last year when I was um, in Brisbane, just a little holiday, and I was in my brother's car, and, and there was this other Viet guy with us, just three Viet guys traveling um, and we were talking, talking, listening to music, and then the topic of relationship came up. And he said, hey, bro, I want an, I want an ABG, ABG, <laughs> which stands for Asian baby girl. And then my brother said, nah, you want the other ABG, Asian Bible girl. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, 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 I want, a, I want an ABG, that ABG, the Asian Bible girl, Asian Bible girl. And then the pastor in me kind of kicked in. And lovingly, I said, hey, bro, I, I know that there's Bible studies during the week. How come I hear that you never come to that? Look, if you want an ABG, you need to be an ABB, <laughs> Asian Bible boy. You need to up your chances, man. Like, like, stop trying to look for the right one. Be the right one. You need to work on yourself. So church, if you want to look for someone who's a child of God, look for them in the right place. Not at the clubs, at church, at a cell group, at a Christian camp, at a conference. Get your chances up, people. Point is, go to church. <laughs> Whether you date or not. You want to surround yourself with brothers and sisters who's running the same race as you. As you run this race called life and as other people run different paths, it's, it's okay. But you'll realize there's a lot of other people with you. And these people, some of them will become your best of friends. Some of them will become your brothers, your sisters, your spiritual father, your spiritual mother, your mentors. And one day you will just find someone who's really cute. And you get to know this person and you get married and you run together, stride hand in hand. That's just how it works. Find them in the right place. So the servant, he shows up at the city of Nahor and he gets his, all his camels to kneel down. And he kneels them down at the exact place where women are. Again, this guy, he's smart. He's at the right place, at the right time where women come out to get water during that time, he uses his human wisdom, he uses his noggin, but that's not all he relies on. Because what does a servant do next? The Bible says he prays. Now this is the answer to the question, how would I know if she or he is the one? Try praying. The servant prays, O Lord of my God, the Lord God of my master, please grant me success. May it be when I ask this girl to give me some water, may she give me water and also water for my camels. 
This guy, before he does anything else, immediately invites God into the process. Now, this isn't just a dating principle. This principle you can use for all areas of your life. When you walk into that classroom, when you walk into your office, this is for me when every time I walk up on stage, because I know, Lord, I'm not that smart. And if you don't show up, I'm going to look like a fool. And so older folks also realize this. Notice this. This isn't Isaac praying to God to hook him up with a wife. No, 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 no. This is an older servant who's praying on Isaac's behalf. Because I know when we talk about relationships and datings, those of us who are married, those of us who's been through it all can sometimes mentally cross our hands and say, oh, those millennials. But maybe you're here to be a part of the solution for these struggling kids. Maybe you're here to mentor some younger men, younger women, and, and just help them, pray for them, pray for their success in this confusing, chaotic dating world. You can be their source of help. And younger guys, look around. There's some rare, older people here. They're very rare. But they're good, godly people with godly marriages. Go talk to them. Ask them for some advice. Look, they got married. You want to be married, right? So just ask them, how did they do it? Tell, tell me your story. They will tell you. Let me tell you my story. You ready? <laughs> Let me drink first. <laughs> during my younger days, um, during my time of singleness, it was bad. It was really bad. I had a bad reputation. Not because I'm a player, because I just got rejected by everyone. <laughs> now, I had these bad titles that went something like this. My closest friends would give me these titles like, the guy that would go after every single girl under the sun. When I went to Bible college, um, it's called Malian Bible College, um, I even won an award called the Malian Stallion, the chap who tries the hardest. It was bad. And um, I just felt that in my life, God was always so vocal in my life, especially the areas of my dating. And I just hear him very audibly. That's just how me and God works. And there will be times where... I see someone really pretty or someone really cute or someone really hot. Um, <laughs> Demi's not here. Demi's not here. It's all good. <laughs> God says audibly to me, don't go there, son. It's not going to be good. Dex, don't go there. And still, I will plunge my head first into it and I will get shut down and I'll get really depresso and songs in my head will start coming up like, hello, darkness, my old friend. Like, songs like that just grips me. And so one day when I was traveling, back then when I lived in Brisbane, I traveled to Perth for a youth conference. I actually came to a stage of my life where I was praying to the Lord. I remember that night, Lord, I'm sick of this feeling. I'm sick of feeling lonely. I'm sick of feeling jealous. I just want you to take this away from me. Lord, I'm just going to pursue you for the rest of my life. Just me and you, single for life. Single for life. <laughs> and I remember, and I really remember, true story. I really remember just going around that day and saying to my single for life, single for life, single for life. And, and, but God had other plans because to me, he was saying like, really? Really? You sure, Dex? And um, 
what I found at that time was me being a pastor, I was a pastor already, I was just being what the pastor does, he just talks to everyone, and I was just being friendly with everyone, and I was, I was just, just talking, talking, and I remember my body back then was more used to the Brisbane humidity, um, like we have a kind of wet, kind of humid hot, but Perth had a more dry hot, and, and I remember just commenting, <clears throat> man, Perth is really dry, I'm, I'm kind of thirsty. And then out of nowhere, this cute little girl comes and offers me a black currant juice bottle. And I got it. And my heart pounded like a jackhammer. And I'm like, she's the one! <laughs> but I had to check with God first. I'm like, God, is she the one? Is she the one? Is she really the one? And for the first time in my life, God gave me the green light. And he said, go for it, son. <laughs> and in mid-conversation with this cute little girl, I just blurted out to her, I'm not a player, I'm a prayer. <laughs> like who even says that in their conversations? And she laughed. And I'm like, <laughs> she thinks I'm funny. What, what I didn't know, uh, you can ask Demi for verification. Um, we hit it off in three days. I caught her like a Pokemon. And, um, and all the boys around me was asking like, oh, Sifu, oh, Sensei, oh, Jedi Master, show me your ways. And I'm like, just pray, son. Um, what I didn't know was that Demi told me was she was always praying for someone godly. She just didn't expect to get a pastor. And so when I used that weird pickup line, to me that was a pickup line, but for her, that was a prayer answered. Why am I telling you this? This is just my testimony. But I want to show you that God cares. God cares for your relationship. He doesn't just care about my relationship because I'm going to be a pastor. No, no, He cares for each and every one of you. Does that mean you're going to get everything that you want and how you want it? No, because no good parents would do that. But God, as a father, delights in his kids asking him. God delights to show up in your situation. He loves to be there for you. And he does care about your romance. In verse 15, notice how it says, Even before the servant finished praying, behold, Rebecca, And as she comes out of that well with water jar on her shoulders, this guy here currently had no idea who this Rebecca is. All he knows and what he sees is this girl who's carrying this jar is pretty, is beautiful. The Bible doesn't mention, like, not many people are pretty, like Sarah's pretty and she's pretty. Like, she's one of the, she's beautiful. That's all he knows. But then he comes to her and he says, can I have a drink? And she respectfully says, you can have a drink. And you know what? I'll get some water for your camels. And he's like, okay. Okay. And the Bible says she quickly ran back to the well and started to water the camels. And meanwhile, this servant just observed in silence. Now, here's my fifth advice to you all. Observe. 
Sometimes you just need to slow down and discern and assess. Because for Rebecca, everything looks good so far. And he, he didn't pray for like a, a pretty girl, but it, that, that was just a bonus. And, and she's pretty good. She's, she's ticked the criteria, gave me a drink. Now she's feeding the camel. But I'm just going to observe her and watch her for a little while because she might lose heart at camel number two. Because typically a camel, after a long journey, when, when they're thirsty, they can drink up to 200 liters. How many camels were there? Asians do the math. 2,000 liters of water. Now, not only is this girl, now he knows that not only this girl is pretty, she lifts. <laughs> She's a strong woman. Now, that's what you want to be. Now, that's what you want. She was also graceful. She was willing to serve. This is what it says in Proverbs 11. A gracious woman attains honor. In Proverbs 31, a, woman is a good woman is described, a godly woman is described to be strong and a prudent woman. Aim for that. And guys, there's also something for you. Girls, you also observe the guy. In Proverbs 19, it says, a desirable man is in his kindness. Don't buy into the lie that last, uh, no, nice guys finish last. That's not true. What the world today sees as weakness, the Bible sees as strength. Look for his kindness. Ladies, before you say yes to a man, here's my advice that I got from my Bible college lecturer. He was my favorite South African uh, Bible college lecturer. His name goes by the name of Charles de Jong. He says, if you want to know who your man really is, watch him when he plays sports. Why? Because the competitive nature of sport will bring out the true man. So watch him when he plays basketball. Let's say basketball. Okay? Does he play dirty? Does he play rough? Is he violent? Does he just hog the ball and never pass to his teammates? Does he like the limelight? Is, is he a good sport? Does he admit he's wrong? Does he quickly lose his temper on the courts? Because chances are, if he loses temper there, he might lose temper in your marriage. Watch your man. And if you're saying here and you're like, but my guy's a nerd. <laughs> Same thing. Watch him when he plays a game of Dota or League. Watch out if he's like blaming his teammates, getting salty, punching the screen or smashing his keyboard and swearing his head off. Watch for that. And so the servant watches camel eight, camel nine, camel ten. And he runs to her and he takes a heavy gold nose ring and gives her some wrist bling bling. And he gives it to her and he says, tell me, whose daughter are you? And she says, I'm the daughter of Bethel, the son that Micah bore to Nahor. And the servant couldn't believe his ears because this is a relative of Abraham. And what happens is the servant falls down to his knees and he worships God. Bless the Lord of oh my soul. Bless the God of Abraham, which might have freaked her out a little bit. But here's my last relationship goal for you. You want a relationship that will ultimately bring you down to your knees and worship God. Why? Because you don't want to be 
in a relationship that that's normal. You want to be in a relationship that was a miracle, that it was the working of God that knit you two together in his perfect timing and you just can't help every day but to thank him and praise him. This is the type of relationship that you want. Don't settle for any less. And sometimes me still today, it's kind of creepy, but it's okay. I would just stare at Demi and I'm like, wow. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> She's my wife, I'm allowed. <laughs> as I get the band to come up, as I close this, this time of ours. Long story short, I can't go through the whole chapter because it's really, really long. Go home and read it yourselves. Rebecca ends up saying yes to the servant and she travels back with the servant. And in verse 62, the Bible says, Isaac had come out from Beer La Hiroi. He went out on the fields that evening to meditate. So in other words, he was also praying. And as he looked up, he saw them camels. And Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. And as the camera zooms in on this, the setting of the sun shines and glistens on Isaac's brows as the wind blows across his beard and hair. <laughs> Rebecca turns around to the servant and she says, Who's that man? Who is he that is coming out of the fields to welcome us and the servant smirks and says that's my master Isaac and she puts a cover on her face and she gets down from the camel and as Isaac mates his way with stride of elegance and suave they finally meet this is love at first sight and they get married and it says Isaac loved her and Isaac was also comforted from his mother's death. Now this is life. A lot of happiness, but there is also a tinge of sadness. Isaac loved Rebecca. Now this is not just a love story. This is really a story about faith. This is a true story that through this union of theirs, down the line was Jesus and the whole world was blessed. And what I want you to know is that this story is also our story. The servant is unnamed for the whole chapter, but I believe I have my reasons why I believe that he's, the servant's name is Eliezer, who gets introduced to us in Genesis chapter 15. It gets introduced to us as Abraham's chief servant who was in charge of everything, who was the oldest servant of Abraham. So there's a lot of connections. So, and interestingly, his name Eliezer, in the Hebrew it means God my helper. So when Abraham sent out this servant, he was sending out God, my helper. Now this is our gospel story because God also sends out the Holy Spirit, which is known to be the helper. And he calls us, he comes to us in places like these, these and let us know that there is a master and that master has a son and that master has given all authorities in heaven and earth to that son now he also invites us to come and walk with the Son, live with the Son in faith. This is our story. And so you know what my prayer for you in this coming 2020, it's not so much you get that guy or get that girl. 
But my prayer is that you get Jesus. That you decide to say, yes, I'll come, Lord. I'll come and walk in faith with you and live in faith with you. And I promise you what, you seek for God first and His righteousness and everything else will follow. And as now we come to a time of Holy Communion, again, because we couldn't go through the whole passage, there was this part in, in Genesis 24 verse 53 where the servant takes out a whole bunch of gifts and gives it to Rebecca, her brother and her mother. What the servant was doing was he's paying the dowry, the cost of the bride. He pays the cross, the he pays the cost for that bride. And you know what? Jesus also pays for our dowry. Instead of gold and silver, but on that cross he paid with his body and with the crimson blood that was spilt. Why? Just because he wants you to come and walk with him. Jesus loves you. God cares for you. God bless you, church. And let's continue to worship.